Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 368. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How you doing? Yeah, you know. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Bruce McDonald's latest, Dreamland. We'll also be going over something we're watching on the watch list and new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Uh, just one bit of housekeeping this week. The Blu-ray giveaway for June is up on the site now. We're going to be giving away a copy of Come and See. This is the Criterion version that's coming out this month. So if you haven't seen the brutal yet incredible movie Come and See by uh, L.M. Klimov, enter for your chance to win. Put a link in the uh, show notes. Did you see that? You've seen that, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, that's a rough one. It, it's rough, but it is uh, just... It's in, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, it's pretty damn incredible. Uh, that's really all I have for, for housekeeping this week. I think we can dive into our review. No Ryan watches a movie. We're, we're trying to figure out... There's been some schedule changes, so we're trying to figure out how we can do the Ryan Watches movie yeah. stuff. Hopefully we'll have that sorted. I'm back to work. Yeah, you're you're back to work. And work. It, seem, it seems like you and Ryan are kind of on opposite schedules now because it seems like he yeah. can only there's only a few days that he can record so we're going we're gonna to try to work it out. Um, one other, that actually reminds me of one other quick note. If you can hear some background noise on my end, my AC is still out. It's been out for three weeks, so all my windows are currently open. So you may hear some some city sounds. I hear some some bird action. Uh, th- you might hear some seagulls or pigeons. That that happens. Cool. Nice. Regular birds? No, not so much. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty high up, but you can still okay. hear some some city sounds, some various city noises coming through. So I, so I apologize for that, but it's just so hot. It's just brutal in here. With that, I think we can jump into our review. We're talking about Dreamland. I have a synopsis here. On the night of the strangest wedding in cinema history, disagree with that, a grotesque gang boss <laughs> hires a stone-cold killer to bring him the finger of a fading, drug-addicted jazz legend. As I said at the top of the show, this is directed by Bruce McDonald, stars... Juliette Lewis, Stephen McCaddy, Henry Rollins. Kevin, we'll start with you. What did you think of Dreamland? I did, just a quick question for you. It, it, how you said you disagree with that. What, what part do you disagree with? I just don't think it was the strangest wedding in cinema history. I mean... No, it's... I, I no. can't... Like, I can't... That's a bold, that's it, a bold it, statement. It's fun. It, like, I, I'm trying to think of a stranger wedding, and I can't think of one at this moment... But I'm a hundred percent sure that I've seen Stranger Weddings. Yeah, I'm pretty sure too. Also, even just like the the time frame of that, like, is incorrect. Yeah, like, it's anyway. not the night of the wedding that he has to get the thing. Like, yeah, that like, happens well before, days before. Yeah, it's just a very it's a very interesting synopsis, as always. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> I would just I want to make that my job. If that would, I mean, I know that that job would suck. It would be infuriating. 
but I feel like you can make a career out of that. Writing movie synopses? Yeah, just like it's like legit, you know, concise, but it really encapsulates what the movie is and they're right. <laughs> they're like factually accurate. Yeah, I, f- I feel like uh, there's like PR people handle that probably. Yeah, well, they should stop. Well, the thing, so, uh, the thing about the IMDb ones, like I, I know I can read you that the official synopsis, like obviously the IMDb one is not the official one. Sometimes they are, true. sometimes they're not. Um, but like a lot of times the, the ones on IMDb are just user submitted. Um, now if I pull up the email regarding this, oh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it is the official one. There you go. So in this case, uh, yes, unfortunately, that is the official synopsis. So there we have it. Got it. <laughs> mm. So, anyways, Dreamland, Bruce McDonald. This is also this is from a script from uh, Tony Burgess. And the last time they worked on a movie together was Pool, which Pool, pretty fucking great, pretty incredible, right? So, pretty excited for this. Plus, you have Stephen McCaddy in there. And he's playing two roles. He's playing the hitman. But he's also playing the, the drug-addicted uh, jazz legend, the trumpeteer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, he's playing both. And they're, they're vastly different characters. So, I, I like that from him. That we got to see like him in two different modes here. And they even have like a different look. Both of which looks like he's on death, you know. Knocking on death's door there. Like, <laughs> man, he is gone. Pray for him. Keep him in your prayers. He is a gaunt <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, damn. But, uh, yeah, I, number one, it's not that strange of a wedding. Uh, it's not that strange of a movie either, which I think was the most disappointing thing for me. Because it starts out where it, it kind of like teases this, that it's going to be this very cerebral, bizarre mm-hmm. uh, movie. You know, you have the, the title, you have the dreamland, you know, he's having visions. You know, he has a doppelganger. No one points out that they look exactly the same. You know, he's got to get the finger from himself. And they, like, they keep like kind of teasing and hinting towards this, like, you know, at some point, it's going to you know, it's going to hop up a level. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or at least you're thinking, you're hoping that it's going to hop up a level and we're just going to go, we're going to be off and running into this just bizarre world, this dreamland world. But it, it that just never comes to fruition. No, it's really disappointing. It's surprisingly straightforward. And I, and I think, I think one of the, one of the things that, that makes it so sort of jarring that it doesn't go for this really kind of surrealistic tone is because it's entirely set up like a David Lynch film. Like you, you mm-hmm. have this very sort of basic, almost uh, noir setup at the beginning. And as it's progressing, it's getting, there's like, like you said, there's these like little hints. There's these little like things here and there. that are a little off kilter, a little strange. And you, so I think just because we're all so familiar with Lynch's filmography and like his style and what he tends to do where, oftentimes Lynch films are, have a very 
straightforward surface level setup and then they go off the rails at some point so that's kind of what i was expecting here i was thinking like okay yeah we have this pretty basic premise but at some point we're gonna we're gonna go into crazy you know dreamland territory where things things start to get really wacky and surreal but it doesn't it doesn't go there it's it's all played very straightforward and i was thinking there there's something going on with the fact that you have steve mccaddy playing these two roles and at one point like some something happens or like so the whole thing is like this trumpet player like his, his uh fingernail is black on his pinky finger and at one point the hitman's fingernail turns black too after he gets injured and i'm like oh man there's going to be this like crazy thing where they're the same person or like they're they switch bodies or something or something really out there is going to happen between the two but yeah that doesn't really happen <laughs> no no and it's it's really unfortunate i mean it does have that you know because also where he, he points out where he's like um what is it they says how you know we start off as many and we end up as one and i was like okay either like i kind of like this idea you know where are they where are they going to take it? And then, like you said, his his fingernail turns black, like the trumpet player. And you're like, oh, here we go, it's kicking off. Here we go, like something something's going on here, but nothing really happens. Which, okay, that's it's disappointing, but to me, it's fine if because of you know Bruce McDonald's other movies, I'm at least hoping like visually it's going to go, you know, up another level. Okay, maybe the narrative just stays where it is, like, thematically and everything, and it never really kicks off into, you know, the surreal territory or anything along those lines. But I was hoping for at least the visuals to go there, but the visuals don't even go there. Like, I mean, they're pretty straightforward, too. There's not a whole lot of experimentation in the visuals. No, I wasn't impressed with any of the visuals. I thought that the movie looked very, very bland and, dare I say, cheap. Like it looked, it looked kind of cheap, like the, yeah, the, the visuals. And, and I mean, I thought that the lighting, the lighting was okay. And I thought that there were a couple creative transitions, but overall, yeah, I was not very impressed with the, the visuals at all in this. And I found a lot of it to just be dull. Like there there were moments, like certain sequences that lingered on way too long. And I, I, it started losing me. One of the issues that I have, and this is just, total personal opinion with movies that deal in the abstract are I don't see an end point. So a lot of times during a a scene that contains abstract thoughts or ideas or visuals, I find them to be like, okay, where are we going here? What is this? Where? And it's funny because this movie, while it really never played in the abstract too much at all, it still contained those sequences where I'm just like, all right, let's go somewhere. Let's, let's see what's, where are we going with this? This is, this is the lasting for yeah. too long. So it's unfortunately like, for you, it only had the worst parts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like it didn't do anything. It, it didn't go into any kind of really crazy, surreal territory. So it felt like those long, dull moments led up to nothing. There was like no payoff. Yeah. I mean, the the finale I thought was surprising and fun and 
it was okay, but at the end of the day, when looking at the whole narrative, I'm just like, eh, all right, yeah. there it was. I mean, it, it turns out to be this pretty straightforward crime thriller that is, I guess, trying to be a little bit bizarre, but it ne- never really felt that bizarre to me. Like, it didn't feel that strange. I mean, and I wonder if that's just because, like, so much of this is now, like, just known, you know, in terms of, like, pedophiles, you know, political, right? Like, that's just normal life now. And, I mean, we've seen tons and tons of movies before that, that you know, attempt to criticize the, the those in power and yeah. corruption and all of that stuff and, and how evil yeah. leaders then, can be. This is pretty toothless. Yeah. And just kind of basic, elementary, you know, pedophile's bad. Oh, yeah. Agreed. You have Juliet Lewis as a, a countess in Luxembourg, <laughs> which I thought in and of itself is kind of funny. Yeah. Well, I, that is interesting because it brings up two points or two things that I enjoyed. That's Luxembourg. More movies should be shot there. And like he said, the finale, which I thought was kind of like a little bit too little too late. But I did like the Stephen McCaddy song. I did like his singing. Me too. Me too. I, did, I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was a surprise. But I, I mean, I pretty much agree with you too. There, were, there, there are swaths of this movie that are just dull, unfortunately. It just makes it even worse. Because again, you, you have that teasing and you think you're going to go somewhere and you don't. And a lot of times you just go to really boring places. I think what makes it more unfortunate is that you have Steve McAddy in here playing two roles, just crushing it. This guy is so good, and he's an inherently odd character. But I feel like he, he didn't he didn't have enough meat in these roles to really to really just let him shine. And yeah. I mean, I I love the dude in pretty much everything he's in, and he does a really incredible job in this movie too. But I think that everything else just kind of brings it down. And, you know, you have Henry Rollins in there as Hercules, who's this, like, mob gangster guy, and he's fine, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, eh, nothing, nothing really clicked with me on this one. No, and, it, like, there's a lot, like, you could do a bullet point list, right, and you could be like, wow, this movie sounds really, really bizarre and out there. You know, the, the, the Henry Rollins is a guy named Hercules that runs a nightclub called Al-Qaeda. You know, Thomas McQuarrie is a vampire oh, at yeah. the wedding. He's yeah. a vampire. Like, he's a ridiculous vampire. And he's marrying, like, a 14-year-old. Julia Lewis is a countess in Luxembourg. Stephen McCaddy plays two characters. You know, like, but none of that actually adds up to anything that bizarre. Like, on paper, maybe. But the actual final product, no. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I can't recommend dreamland just uh very very forgettable i probably won't remember much of anything of this one by the end of the year oh yeah definitely definitely yeah it's uh it's unfortunate because i i mean i really liked pontypool a lot and a lot of uh some of some of bruce mcdonald's other films i i liked 
as well. Hardcore logo being one that sticks out. I, I liked that movie a lot too. And I don't know, this one just didn't work for me. No, it felt a lot like one of those, you know, straight to DVD. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really feel like a Bruce McDonald movie. No, not really. It feels like it could have been directed by anyone. <laughs> It came out in the nineties, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. It does. It, it definitely feels like an early two thousands movie to me. Yeah, definitely. All right, that's Dreamland. Uh, it's on VOD now. If you want to check it out, although I really can't recommend it. But let's give it a score. No. I'm sitting at like a four out of ten on this one. Maybe three and a half. Three and a half. Four. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with three. Not for me. Let's talk about someone we've been watching this week. Uh, Kevin, I believe it is your turn to start us off. I watched The Mist from 2007. Okay. Frank Darabont. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, all right. Little Thomas so, Jane action. Yeah, hell yeah, Thomas Jane's in there. Also, Tippy Jones. Tippy Jones in there. Didn't know that going in, so that was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this movie, all right, I, I didn't really know a lot about it going in. I know that they're in a, a grocery store and the mist comes in, right? And they're trapped. I kind of remember that from the trailers back in 2007, right? So with this movie, my understanding was, or at least what I thought it was going to be, is, you know, the guy comes through the mist and he runs in the store. He's got his nosebleed. He's like, something's in the mist. There's something out there. And everyone's like, oh my God, they freak out, kind of barricade everything. and I know that there's like the, the, this small group of people from the community kind of like lose it and turn on each other. Now, what I was thinking is that they, they were always going to kind of tease this idea of, is there actually something in the mist? You know what I mean? Like they, they, they was going to just keep that as an unknown throughout the movie, maybe till the end. And just, you know, are these people just doing terrible things to each other? And there's actually nothing in the mist whatsoever. Or is there actually something in this? And we don't know what it is. But I was kind of surprised and kind of excited, too, that there actually is something in the mist. And you get to see it, and it's ridiculous. And it's over the top, which I was not expecting. I did not know that. So it was very shocking to me. And it's, it's just so outlandish. And I ended up loving it because of that. It's just the complete opposite of what I was expecting. You know, I thought this would be more of like a cerebral thing where, you know, you like you just scare people with the mere suggestion of something and you can affect their behavior, that kind of thing. But no, there's terrible things in the mist. So it, it's kind of understandable that these people kind of lose their minds. And just the stuff that's in the mist is just fucking awful. Just terrible things. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty damn good. I loved it. There was a, I don't know if it was like a director's cut, but I know that there was an alternate ending to this one. And, and I cannot, well, I can't really remember, but I'm pretty sure there was like a different ending. The ending to this is pretty bleak. Yeah. But it's also just as ridiculous as the rest of the movie. Cause it's just like, I don't see it happening at all. Like, there's no way. But okay. I remember liking The Mist. I remember, like, being pretty surprised at at, at this one. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're looking for a ridiculous horror movie, 
that's not like bad. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's not like incompetent filmmaking or anything. That's why you're enjoying yourself. But it's just ridiculousness done well. Then definitely watch the mist. I saw you don't know me. This is going to be coming out this week. This is directed by Jeffrey McHale. It, this is a documentary about Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls, and okay, the you know the fact that when Showgirls came out, it was riddled with controversy, and it was famously panned by critics and did horrible at the box office, and it was a complete bomb. And this movie sort of dissects Showgirls and talks about why. Why it was panned back then, and why it sort of has it turned it turned into one of these movies that has a bit of a resurgence, and people have found a new appreciation for it now. Um, if you if you look at, I mean, a good example is um, Ken, who is the co-host on our '90s podcast. He loves this movie, and Ken was born in 1999, so he he first came to this movie very recently and he he kind of loves it and we actually reviewed this movie on the 90s podcast and so i think it's interesting to hear the opinions of somebody who is just coming to this movie for the first time now as opposed to back then when it first came out in 1995 and everybody was just hating on it the the documentary is it's it's good it's it's not like I mean they don't talk to Verhoeven they don't talk to anybody in the cast or crew or anything like that it's mostly like more more so a video essay that they talk to critics and and fans and stuff like that uh, but it's very well produced and I, I would recommend checking it out especially if you're a fan of Paul Verhoeven's films uh, or Showgirls it's uh it's it's definitely an interesting watch it, it gets into sort of Paul Verhoeven's filmography and the backstory of, of his style. And it also talks about Joe Esterhaus and his movies. And if you haven't seen Showgirls in a long time, also it will remind you of how ridiculous Showgirls is. I, I've seen it pretty recently, as I said, for the, for the podcast, but Oh my God, it's such a ridiculous movie. And I, I would, I would recommend seeing it if you haven't. So again, that's, you don't know me and that'll be on VOD. Uh, as you're listening to this, most likely. Uh, I, too, watched the documentary. Mine was only 30 minutes long, though. Uh, from 1982, called Suzanne Suzanne, directed by Camille Phillips and James Hatch. Now, before I get into the movie, you can see this movie, Suzanne Suzanne, and other uh, films from Phillips and Hatch on the Criterion Channel, because the Criterion Channel has listed the paywall for a number of like black centric films. So either movies made by black filmmakers or movies that have, uh, you know, like a, a central black cast or documentaries like the, uh, Varda's Black Panthers documentary is available to watch for free. So there's a number of titles on the Criterion channel that you can watch for free. This is one of them, Suzanne, Suzanne. Um, this is a pretty powerful uh, and impactful 30 minutes. So this is just um, Phillips doing this documentary with her her cousin, Suzanne, who is like a recovering junkie. And she 
talks about like the this long history of her father kind of uh her father beating her and so it's interviewing her but it's also interviewing her mother because her mother kind of went through the same thing and it's just this really like frank and direct documentary where there's a, a scene towards the end where it's the mother in the back and Suzanne in the front and just their heads, right? And Suzanne's kind of like looking off to the, the right of the screen and her mother's looking off to the left. And it's just direct questions, you know, like Suzanne's like, why didn't you ever stop death from beating me? Like this and, you know, those types of questions, you know, like the really direct, difficult questions. And <clears throat> like the camera just stays on them and just like captures the, these moments. And it's just, you know, and it's just extremely honest and just kind of difficult to watch. Like it's, it's too personal, if you know what I mean? Like you, you feel like I shouldn't know, like I shouldn't be in their lives and knowing this, like this should be your own like family, personal history type thing. But man, it's a, uh, it's a good one. So definitely check it out. I would suggest checking out. Especially because all of these movies are free on the Criterion channel. Like yeah. you said, no paywalls or anything. So that's Suzanne Suzanne, available now on the Criterion channel. Uh, I saw Becky. This oh, is yeah. uh, <laughs> This is directed by Carrie Mernion and Jonathan Malott. This is the one with uh, Kevin James as a neo-Nazi. And Lulu Wilson mm -hmm. playing a 13-year-old a girl who decides that she's going to kill these neo-Nazis. Very, very simple story. You have a, It's a home invasion thriller where Kevin James and a bunch of his cronies, uh, he and one other guy break out of prison and they team up with these other neo-Nazi thugs and they break into this house. They're looking for this key and... I guess the house was formerly owned by them or something. Somehow this key is in their house and they're looking to, to recover this key, which I guess unlocks buried treasure or some shit. I don't even know. And, uh, mm -hmm. they, so they break into the house. They try to get the key. They end up killing, uh, Lula Wilson's characters, a dad played by Joel McHale. And after she sees her dad get murdered by them, and uh, it's, it's established earlier that her mom had passed away a year prior to, to cancer. And she just sort of snaps and she realizes, like, look, I, got, I, got, I have no one else. This is it. I got nothing to lose. I'm going to fuck these Nazis up. And boy, does she fuck these Nazis up. Oh, my God. One of the surprising things about this movie, and I mean, the Kevin James thing, I would call stunt casting the stunt casting of Kevin James. Uh, I already knew that going into it. What I didn't know was the the level of gore in this movie is like out of control. Early on, she she so she has the key. Becky has the key, and early on, Kevin James like grabs her, captures her, and she takes the key and stabs him in the eye and rips out his eyeball out of his eye socket. So like his eyeball is just hanging there and he has to deal with that in a very gruesome way so that was kind wow. of the, one of the big surprises was just how crazy violent this movie is i mean this girl messes these nazis up big time 
So, you know, that was kind of fun. But as far as the movie itself goes, just there's just not a lot here. I mean, I told you the whole thing. There's no, there's really not many surprises. There's nothing, there's no new ideas being presented here. It's just a, the, the, the whole shtick is that it's a crazy 13 year old girl who ruthlessly murders a group of Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, at times is fun. At times it's fun. At times it's shocking, but the overall package is just nothing we really haven't seen before. It's, it's pretty average. Yeah. Uh, now, as you, as you pointed out to me offline yesterday, these are the guys who did that Bushwick movie, which a lot of people didn't like that movie. I, I, I kind of dug it. I thought it was pretty cool. And they also did Cooties, which again, not a lot of people liked, but I, I kind of was into that movie too. So Becky is on VOD now, so you can check it out. If you'd like, if you want to see Kevin James with a giant swastika tattoo on the back of his head. And at one point he takes off his shirt and he's just loaded with Nazi tattoos, like all over his body as a full back tattoo. So that's kind of weird. Wow. Yeah. And you do. And also you get to see Kevin James torture Joel McHale. Who, who, who would have thought? (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's a weird one. There's just so many things going on in 2020. I know. It's hard to process everything. Yeah. Yep. Just on multiple different levels, you know, like really, really small scale stuff to really important things. Like, it's just the hell of a year. That it is. So, you remember last show, you were like, hey, wildlife comes out. And I was like, God, no one wants to see that. Milk toast is all hell. <laughs> no. Okay. Never. I just okay? looked, I looked at your watch list. I see that you saw wildlife, but in clicking on it, I realized that I also saw wildlife, and I totally like forgot. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny! No, I saw it back in 2018. Oh wow! <laughs> you saw this movie when it's fresh, <laughs> fresh out the oven. Oh my god! I don't got a slice of wildlife. Fucking Paul Dano. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing was, like, last week, both of us were like, and eh, not interested in this one. And I had totally forgotten that I actually saw this. Well, the, it brings up a good point, though, which is this movie is extremely forgettable. So I am, I'm completely understanding in, in your current situation of you kind of being shocked to learn that you saw this two years ago. Because there's not a whole lot. That uh, that's gonna you know kind of get stuck in the mind's eye there. This is this is a pretty this is man. And the, the interesting thing is, that, like at first, I was like from the outset, I was like, okay, I feel this like twinge in me that like, oh wow, Paul Dano might surprise me. This this movie might actually be pretty good. You know, it's a it's like it's 1960s. You know, early days the 60s so it's more the 50s that's the 50s styling uh jake gyllenhaal carrie mulligan young couple with their their son ed oxenbold in montana they just moved to montana like he is gyllenhaal loses his job um so she starts going out looking for work the son tries to go out looking for work gyllenhaal's not getting anything he decides to leave to go fight these forest fires right for like a dollar a day or something like that and it's a huge blow up because who knows how long he's going to be gone, right? 
So up until that point, I'm like, you know, this isn't actually that bad. Um, Diego Garcia is the cinematographer, does a fantastic job. The Montana landscape, unbelievable. You know, it's all right. Uh, but as soon as Hall leaves to go fight these forest fires, Carrie Mulligan's character just completely changes. Just like finger snap, whiplash. She's just a complete mess. And she's just like an alcoholic drunk. And she's just like prostituting herself. And she just becomes this like ridiculous over the top character. And I'm not really a big fan of Carrie Mulligan to begin with, uh, and her acting style because she kind of takes it over the top. So like this character being ridiculous and taking this ridiculous turn, this development, and then like her overacting style, it just, it just completely dismantled everything. Just became a joke. Just awful. It's coming back to never recovered. I'm start I'm starting to remember. (laughs) I'm starting to remember it now. All right, so that's wildlife. Is that on the Criterion channel? Or is that did they add that or is it just I I got it on DVD. I don't think it's on the channel. Okay. I don't think it's on there. We can buy the Blu-ray on on, uh, the Criterion one that's out now. Don't though. Don't 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 do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Uh, I saw Pick It Up, Ska in the 90s. Now, this is, a, this is a document. I went on a little bit of a rock doc kick this week. <laughs> I uh, don't know if I ever got a text about this, the Ska doc. Maybe I did. I was not aware of it. It came out last year, but I totally was unaware that it existed. And believe me, I, you would have been getting a text if I found out about this because I was a huge fan of the 90s third wave ska movement. I was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Big, big, unabashed. You know, people people are embarrassed that they were mm-hmm. into ska music back in the day. But not you. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm not ashamed, sir. Not ashamed. This documentary, it looks at, it looks at the history of ska music, which, you know, for those of you not familiar, it's it, actually, it's really funny because there's, um, there's a scene in it when the, I can't remember who it was a, a member of the band, real big fish. He goes on the streets in New York and he asks people like on the street, if they're familiar with ska music and almost everybody he interviews is not familiar with it at all. Like they never even heard of it, which I thought was kind mm-hmm. of surprising, but, um, it goes through the history of ska music. And if you're not familiar, ska music is actually sort of, it predates reggae Reggae was actually evolved from ska music. And then after it came to the United States and it sort of meshed with punk music and it turned into the, the, the third wave ska mu- movement is the, the blending of s- traditional ska and punk music. And uh, it chronicles that history, that timeline. And then there's, a shitload of interviews with bands during this time. And it also sort of chronicles the downfall of ska music in the nineties and what happened after, you know, like, like so many other um, music genres, it basically became very corporate and you started seeing it in movies all over the place and then in, in commercials and it just, the bubble burst essentially. And there's interviews with, 
a lot of the bands that that I grew up with that I really loved, like Rancid and you know, maybe some of the bands that I wasn't a huge fan of, but I understand are were hugely influential to the the genre, like Muddy Muddy Boston's, No Doubt, Sublime, Goldfinger, The Specials, Less Than Jake, like pretty much all the the big influential bands. And uh, I really, I really enjoyed the documentary. There's this, uh, there's these really great animated sequences in it that are very, very high quality animation. And then also, it's it's got this kind of upbeat sort of fun vibe to it where it sort of complements the genre itself and i really appreciated that where they were going for this sort of light comical look at the history of of the genre and specifically the the third wave in the 90s so if you're into that kind of music or if you're into it now i would definitely recommend checking out pick it up ska in the 90s I think we need more ska. I think I think ska is due for a comeback. We're we're in. I, I as I understand it, we're in kind of the fourth wave right now, but it hasn't really blown up yet. I think it's still sort of in the underground, and I think that we're due for a, a ska revival. Because if you look at the third wave, the third wave came at the towards the tail end of the grunge movement, where everybody was just kind of sick and tired of being depressed and then ska came around and got people you know out of their chairs and dancing and had a more positive vibe and i think we're due for that the only other uh the the other rock docs i watched uh one was called a fat wreck which is a documentary about uh fat records if you're not familiar with fat records they were another big record label Uh, they were an indie record label that uh came around in the late 80s early 90s uh founded by fat mike of no effects and if you were into the kind of pop punk skate punk style of of the 90s and into the early 2000s you you're probably familiar with some of the bands on fat records this was it was fine to on like a sort of a nostalgic level to revisit some of these bands that i haven't really listened to in a long time and celebrate that and i was a big fan of fat records almost everybody on fat records back in the day like propagandi and Lagwagon, and obviously no effects no use for a name and bands like that um but this movie feels like it's just a big ad for fat records like it doesn't feel very hard hitting at all they try to talk about some of the controversies that came about but for the most part it's just kind of a celebration of the record label and feels like just kind of an infomercial. So (laughs) I think if you're looking to just reminisce about these bands, it's fine. But if you're looking for like a, a hard hitting documentary that explores the record industry and blah, 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 it's, this is not it. This is just looks at, fat records where where it came from its heyday in the early 2000s late 90s and then sort of where it is now i mean it's it's still around they're still releasing albums and stuff on there but they're just a lot smaller they're they sort of shrunk back down to the size that they started at so yeah yeah anyway it's called a fat wreck that's on amazon prime by the way you can watch it on there if you're a prime member 
And then finally, I'll mention uh, one final rock doc that I watched called Finding Joseph I, the H the HR from Bad Brains documentary. Uh, this is a, a look at the, the lead singer of Bad Brains and goes through it. It's a pretty, pretty standard documentary. Uh, one thing I will say, it is very well produced. It looks, it looks really good. Um, this is actually executive produced by Jay Moore, of all people, and he's in it, too. Really? Yeah. So it goes through the history of uh, the lead singer of Bad Brains, and it goes through his career and his various mental ailments that that occurred and and sort of what happened to his career and what happened to him as a person and where he's where he is now and what he's doing now uh it's something of a bittersweet documentary i mean if you're familiar with bad brains or any of any of uh hr's like side projects that he did over the years i mean he was in um various like reggae bands and stuff like that too and i mean he's an extremely talented singer and songwriter and i mean he's still putting out albums and stuff but he um was dealing with a lot of like mental health issues and was homeless for a long time and nobody could find him and he was like missing shows and stuff like that and he was just he it seemed like he was really struggling for a long time and fortunately it seems like he's on the right track now and he's as i said still putting out music and uh all that so i would i would recommend if you're a fan of bad brains or any of the other various projects that uh hr paul hudson has been involved with i would say check it out this came out in 2017 by the way okay all right it's also on amazon prime you know what led me down this path was that on amazon prime it shows you like what other viewers watched and after yeah. I watched the Scott documentary, I was like, oh, okay, well, let's just, uh, let's dive in. Let's take a deep dive into this. See where we're going here. Yeah, I like how you completely fuck your algorithm for like the rest of your life. <laughs> it's just nothing. Like every time you get on Amazon now, it's just nothing but rock docs. That's okay. I like rock docs. There's a very specific well, kind. Too. Yeah. I mean, the, the funny thing is, so it shows you like, I don't know, eight to 10. And I saw almost all of them already. Like the, wow. uh, like there was one one of the decline of western civilization documentaries on there there was this um there there was several other documentaries that that focused on like punk bands and stuff which i've seen most of those there was the wesley willis documentary on there which i've seen is there is there a reliant k documentary? <laughs> no 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 not a, not a reliant k documentary <laughs> <laughs> although uh, those were my favorite moments of my life although there were like <laughs> the, the realization that reliant k was a christian rock band <laughs> and we were listening to it in your car and it's like wait a minute i know exactly where it was too i know exactly where it was it was right next to the york gallery mall yep we were, gi- we were almost just to the entrance where you turn right to go to the york gallery mall and to target and everything and we did the whole you know the movie thing where we both looked at each other, we both turned our heads yep. to each other, and we're just like, "Wait a second And then we even maybe like, rewound it a little bit. Well, this like, is what the fuck? 
Yeah, I mean, this is back in the day when you couldn't just listen to whatever music you wanted on the internet. And I, I was blind buying a lot of CDs back then. It happens. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you score and sometimes ooh, you make, you yeah. make some bad purchases. I mean, like I found a lot of, you know. I found a lot of really great bands over the years, but I found a lot of really bad ones too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, it should be a part of like the, the, the parental warning sticker. Like you should have to tell me if you're singing about Jesus. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I shouldn't have to figure that out by surprise. Yeah, like, I should be told up front. I re- I remember being disappointed. There's a lot of those like punk bands that sort of straddle that line like i remember mxpx used to they, they were sort of straddling that christian rock line and i remember being disappointed with that and there was the oc supertones also which was a ska band they're actually in that ska documentary and, and so is mxpx actually or maybe he's in the bad brains one but um you just <laughs> they're all blending together for you yeah well i watched them like back to back so all right, let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. Coming out on Tuesday, June 9th, we have You Don't Know Me, Born in Evan, Return to Hardwick, Sea Drift, and then on the 12th, we have Artemis Fowl. That's, that's going to be on Disney+. Plus. If you remember, that, mm-hmm. that was originally slated for theaters. That was going to be coming out on May 29th. But yeah. That's uh, they they moved it to Disney Plus because of COVID. Aviva, that's going to be a virtual theatrical release. The King of Staten Island, I believe that was also meant for theaters, but that's going to be on VOD now. Wow! Uh, early reviews for that came out, and it's looking pretty good. I think it has an eighty-one percent or something on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. We got Hill of Freedom. This is a virtual theatrical release as well. Defy Bloods. This is the new Spike Lee film. That's going oh, yes. to be on Netflix. Obviously, that'll be what we're covering next week. Yes. I'm also interested in The King of Staten Island. I know you're not a big fan of Pete Davidson, but I, I, I'm curious about that one. We'll see. I mean, I'll, I'll shit on Pete Davidson. <laughs> I can do that, you know. Mm, well, oh, maybe this movie will just turn you around on him. It, it could very well be. Who knows? It's topsy turvy uh, year. Mm-hmm. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. I could end up becoming like a huge Pete Davidson <laughs> like, fan. You become his number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> number one Pete Davidson fan. <laughs> uh, we also have the departure, and we have exit plan. This is star starring an. Uh, Nicolaj Kolsterwaldu. We have Darkness Falls. We have Morona's Fantastic Tale. It's an animated film. Looks uh, looks interesting. Got a little little dog, a little street dog. Oh yeah, yeah. An optimistic yeah. stray dog named Morona, as she looks back on the human companions she's she has loved throughout her life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it might be uh, something I'm into. Oh, man, looks fantastic. We have Infamous, and that's about it for VOD. That's a lot, a lot of stuff coming out this week. Yeah, it is. A whole lot, a whole lot of stuff. 
Let's see what we have on Blu-ray. We got The Hunt. This is one I would recommend. Maybe not for purchase, but just like a, like a VOD rental or whatever. Uh, looks like there's a Film Noir box set that's coming out. Film Noir, The Dark Side of Cinema 3. Looks like it only contains three movies, which is kind of lame. Abandoned, The Lady Gambles, and The Sleeping City. You know what this looks like? It almost looks like one of those like really cheap box sets that they would sell at Walgreens. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks mm-hmm. like. Uh, let's see. Brian's Song from 1971. We Summon the Darkness from earlier this year. Think Like a Dog starring Josh DeMille and Megan Fox. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. The Dinner Party. And that's pretty much it. Not a whole lot going on with the Blu-rays. What about Criterions? Oh, we got one. That's an unmarried woman from uh, Paul Mazursky, 1978. Career-defining role from Jill Claiborne. She's nominated for an Oscar. Nice. She's got some new interviews and whatnot in there. Nice. Check that out. Check it out. Check it out. Cool. Um, well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider giving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.